Hello, 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 loves. And whether you're a new listener or an old one, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Kendra Stories with Kimmy Koo. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social medias. Kendra Stories with Kimmy Koo on Facebook and IG. At With Kimmy Koo on Twitter. You can also check us out on our website. Yes, we have a website at www.withkimmycool.com. That's www.withkimmycool.com for recent and current episodes, as well as information on how you can become a supporter of this podcast. We're continuously adding and update content and material, so make sure you go check us out and be sure to subscribe to our mailing list for future updates, notifications on giveaways, and how to enter those giveaways. Today we discuss a topic that is near and dear to my heart for so many reasons. Some of you may know, but for those of you who don't, I was raised in the country, a small town in West Tennessee. Growing up black and southern, there are some things that you just knew were rules. Like, they were second nature, so you never thought to question them. As a child, you didn't sit in grown folks' faces while they were entertaining other grown folks. You didn't ask adults why. You gave your adults, regardless of, of who they were, you gave your elders their respect. You didn't talk about what happened inside of your home with anyone outside of your home. That meant it included professional help such as therapy. For whatever reasons, therapy was and still is often seen as the forbidden fruit. The crazy thing is, I found myself from sitting on the couch of a stranger when I had no idea that I was even lost. So, let me tell you a story. Just so we can see what it's like to be on the couch as opposed to being in the chair. So I called the EAP number, they asked me my preferences, like if I preferred a certain ethnicity, a man versus a woman, etc. you know. Of course, I didn't have a preference because I had only planned on doing therapy long enough to get my FMLA papers filled out. I was assigned a middle-aged West Indian man. I was to meet with him every Wednesday. Okay, so boom. My first appointment came, and for some reason, I was nervous. I don't even know why, because I had already planned to only give him the bare minimum. I just needed my paper signed. Like, that was it. That was all, okay? So, I get there. I sign in. I fill out my new patient intake form. I provide my ID and insurance. You know, the normal steps that you take when you're making a doctor's visit. The receptionist calls me to the back 
takes me to this room and tells me to get comfortable on the couch. That's what I did. So my therapist walks in. He has a seat. He introduced himself. We're just going to call him Dr. Z. He gave me a little about his background and he asked me about my parents. He asked me about my siblings, my upbringing. My ex-husband came up. The relationship that I was currently in at the time came up. My son came up. And of course, my childhood traumas. Y'all, I was in that office crying like I had just gotten my ass whipped. Okay? Actually telling someone and hearing myself say it out loud for the first time ever was hard as fuck. A whole lot harder than I had anticipated, especially since I had only planned on giving him just enough information to get Dr. Z to sign my FMLA papers. I learned so much about myself, though, by simply talking to someone honestly who didn't know me, someone that wasn't biased, someone that wasn't judgmental, or at least didn't let it be known that he was judgmental. And most importantly, someone that offered helpful feedback. My very first visit with Dr. Z is the very first time that I admitted that regardless of what I said or posted to social media, I felt inadequate with my life. I was 28. I was divorced. My relationship at the time wasn't leaning towards marriage, but I wanted marriage. How that made sense, I do not know, okay? No idea. I didn't have kids. I was still dealing with the emotions of going for a term, only for my son to be born stillborn five years prior. So I was terrified of even entertaining the thought of getting pregnant again. Most of my peers were on their second, some third child. Most of them were married or in long-term relationships. Me looking at my life when then I felt as though I was extremely behind in life. I was 28. I had $50,000 in student loans and no degree. Don't ask me, okay? Don't ask. <laughs> I had a decent job, but it wasn't a career. I didn't own my home, and my car had just gotten repossessed. Here I was in this stranger's office, lying on his couch, telling him things that I had never said to myself out loud, let alone anyone else. And the more I told Dr. Z, the better I felt. We talked about any and everything on that first visit and still only scratched the surface. When my childhood came up, I broke completely down. And that's another episode for another time. So I won't go too deep into details. But me telling him what happened to me as a child was the first time I had said anything to him, anything to anyone about it, simply because I was told not to discuss home business with anyone outside of our home. When I left, my eyes were all red and puffy. My nose was running. My head was hurting from crying so much, but I had never in my life felt better. I felt like a weight that I didn't even know I had was lifted off my shoulders. That was the start to my new beginning. That one visit put me on the road to finding who Kimmy really was. 
I wasn't the sexual abuse that I suffered as a child. I wasn't the teasing and name calling that I endured as an adolescent. I wasn't the physical, verbal, or emotional abuse I went through as a teenager. I wasn't the terrible mother that I had made myself out to be because I lost a child. I wasn't unworthy of love because I was a divorcee. I wasn't less than because I didn't have a degree. I was so much more than what I had allowed myself to claim for myself. I was so much more than what I had given myself credit for. And I'm not saying that Dr. Z made me see all of that. But Dr. Z put it in a perspective for me to believe all of that. People hear my story and ask me all the time, Kimmy, how, are you, how can you be so positive? How do you keep a smile on your face? And I usually reply with, I don't have a choice. For one, I don't want to be labeled as a victim. I never. I don't. I, I never want to be labeled as a victim. Because I get through. That's just what I do. And I really should start telling people it's because I believe in therapy. Like, I am a, I am an advocate for therapy. I am an advocate for black people in therapy. Therapy does not make you crazy. Therapy is not a white people thing. We have to really get away from that because it's, it's ridiculous. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, Black Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health issues than the general population. 20% than the general population. And Black youth who are exposed to violence are at a greater risk for PTSD. And for those of you who do not know what PTSD is, PTSD is post-traumatic stress, is post-traumatic stress disorder. It's a mental health condition that's triggered by terrifying events, either experiencing it or witnessing it. People who go through traumatic events may have temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and good self-care, they usually get better. If the, if the symptoms get worse, they last for months or even years and can interfere with day-to-day functioning. And black youth who are exposed to violence are at a greater risk for PTSD by over 25%. Over... 25% and that's just violence alone now add in the way that we as a people are being gunned down in the streets by law enforcement and it being deemed justifiable add in the things that we already deal with growing up some some without this parent or that parent or this or poverty Add in just simple day-to-day living that we think is is okay, and it's not. I still attend therapy, and my mental health still can barely wrap my mind around day-to-day living sometimes. Especially with the way that we're being killed in these streets. Every time it happens, 
my mind is is completely boggled as to what add in that and how is there not more of us in therapy why is there not more of us in therapy one of the best things adult me could have ever done for childhood me was go to therapy and I say that all the time I tell people that all the time because it's true it's so true Many people, black people, we seriously have to stop putting the fear of not being able to talk to anyone outside of our homes, especially when things like childhood rape and molestation runs rapid within our communities. We have to stop saying that therapy is crazy and it's for white people because it's not. It's not. Y'all just heard me say 20%. Black Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health issues than the general population. The black youth at a greater risk of PTSD by over 25%. So it's not a white people thing to need help. That's another thing we have to stop. We have to stop making needing help an issue we have to stop making needing help seem like it makes you weak because it doesn't it doesn't it takes so much courage and so much strength to open up your mouth and say i need help it takes an even greater strength to accept the help I have no idea why we praise and worship doing things alone. We were not even put on this earth to do anything alone. So why are we praising and worship doing things alone? Especially things like dealing with mental health issues. One in five black American adults will be diagnosed with a mental health condition pre-COVID. Therapy is often a taboo subject amongst black people due to stigma. In the black community, you don't go to therapy. You don't take the medications prescribed for the mental health illness. You don't tell people your business. You don't go to counseling. You suck it up, you deal with it, and you go to church. That's what many of us do. I know that's what I did. And I was still depressed. I was still silently dealing with things that had happened to me as a child, as a grown adult. Mental health illnesses do not see black, white, pink, purple, or green for that matter. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the religion. It doesn't matter your beliefs. Mental health illnesses do not discriminate. If you are dealing with an anxiety disorder or depression or PTSD or any mental health illness, seek help. There is help out there. There are resources out there.
Okay, okay, okay. It is time for our second segment, my favorite part of the show. Now keep it real, Kimmy. We're going to slide right into our first question. How do you truly forgive someone that has caused you so much pain? Is it possible after you forgive them to be in a happy and healthy relationship? Signed, asking for a friend. Well, asking for a friend, I think to truly forgive someone, especially when it comes to the relationship dynamic, you have to first forgive yourself because I know with me, a lot of times I'm like, I should have done this differently. I should have done that differently, or I shouldn't have ignored that, that sign, or I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have done this. Forgive yourself first, and then you can truly forgive someone else. You really forgive people, not for them, but for your sake. Because holding on to so much anger and hatred and disdain for a person causes so much stress to you, to yourself. And you don't even know it. Like, you could be in the middle of anything. Like, say you you, you at a friend's party and something crosses your mind. You You have a trigger about it. And next thing you know, you in an ill-ass mood, you angry, you upset, and for what? Because you thought about this person or something triggered you to make you think about this person or the situation that y'all were in. So really, forgiving is not for them, it's for you. So do that for yourself, sweetheart. Is it possible after you forgive them to be in a happy and healthy relationship? Of course, especially after you forgive them. I think only once you forgive them, because when you don't forgive them, a lot of people take the things that they went through in past relationships into current and new relationships, which causes problems. Like you, you have trust issues from this person, but you're taking your trust issues out on the next person. They have to deal with the toxic behavior of your trust issues because you were done like this or you were done like that by the person before them, which is unfair to them and unfair to you and unfair to your relationship. So yes, I absolutely think once you forgive a person, you'll be able to be in a happy and healthy relationship. I don't think you will be able to be in a happy and healthy relationship otherwise. Okay, asking for a friend. So forgive yourself first and then forgive that person for you, not for them. And a happy and healthy relationship is very much so possible once you forgive yourself and them. My boyfriend and I agreed to have a threesome. We picked a female that we both felt comfortable with. She was a mutual friend. The shit was amazing. I've slept with other women before, but something about her that just drives me crazy. Me and her have been sneaking around ever since our threesome with my man. That was three years ago. He and I just got married last week. I love her, but I'm in love with my husband. Do you think I should continue to have my cake and eat it too? Or should I tell my husband what's going on? Signed, trapped in the middle. Honey, 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 
Honey, do you think you should tell your husband? This has been going on for three years. Three years. And then you married him. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. But I am going to say it anyway because I truly believe there is no way that you can be in love with someone while loving someone else. It's just not possible. So you may love the both of them, her and your husband, but you are not in love with your husband. You are not. If you were, this wouldn't even be an issue. And it's it's some reason that you've been sneaking. Obviously, your husband isn't going to like the fact that you're with her, even though um, you and her relationship seem from a threesome with your husband. Well, boyfriend at the time. Baby. So, I am an advocate for polygamy relationships. All three of y'all be in a relationship. Make her your girlfriend. Pose that question to your husband. and, and, And see what he says. See if he goes for that. Because that's the only way I see this working out for you. Unless you tell him that y'all have been dealing with each other for three years and you married him without telling him that part first. But then on the other hand, there's two of y'all. So maybe that'll outweigh whatever he may feel about y'all continuing on a relationship after three some three years ago. I don't know. But I would say, yes, get get that off your chest, baby. Get that out in the open before one day it just comes out some kind of way and you're stuck with this I ate shit look on your face because you had the opportunity and the time to sell him and you didn't. So, yeah. So I say tell him, offer up a relationship between the three of y'all because apparently y'all y'all like each other well enough to be intimate with one another everybody so ask your girl if she want a boyfriend and a girlfriend or a husband and a wife or however you want to put it pose the question to your husband and see where it goes let me know how it goes because I want to know all right. From my mouth to God's ears, y'all be blessed. You've just tuned in to another episode of Kendra Stories with Kimmy Koo. And as always, I hope you all enjoyed. Be sure to go like, comment, subscribe, follow, and share. Tune in each and every Wednesday for a new story on a new episode with me, Kimmy Koo.